this was, you know, the, the, the big moment that CNN has been playing over and over again. And all of the resistance people have been playing over and over again. Um, let's take a look. A patient advocate at a cancer center here in Scranton. Joseph? Thank you, Joseph. Welcome home, Mr. Biden. They call you Joseph or Joe? Joe is fine, just like you. No, I just wondered, when they called, my mother called me Joseph, I knew I was in trouble. That's what I'm <laughs> No, Joe is fine. But, um, Mr. President, welcome home. And right now I do work in a cancer center in the area. I make under $15 an hour. Oh. During these COVID times, unfortunately, I had to open a credit card with 25% interest just to cover my groceries. I'm barely making ends meet. Um, received no hazard pay, no raise. I'm struggling not only mentally, but financially. I look up to you, and as a middle-class healthcare worker, do you have any plans to stand up for us healthcare workers? Absolutely. And we'll get to Joe Biden's answer in one second. But can I just point out, for the record, he, the guy says, I make under $15 an hour. Oh. 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 That's terrible. Terrible. I've done nothing in my Senate or vice presidential career to raise the minimum, minimum wage to $15 an hour. Oh. But it's so terrible. The cameras are on. Um, the other thing he said that Joe Biden threw up his hands. Oh, good God. Uh, of course, what, what the man said is shameful that, that, you know, he's working in a cancer center and making that. But Joe Biden, you know, again, this is the, um, the really branding and marketing campaign for the last 20 years that the media has propped up that Joe Biden is this like, you know, lunch bucket, middle-class guy, when his record is the complete opposite. And literally nothing he has done as a senator, as a vice president, has been geared towards helping that man make that $15 an hour or have better conditions. But he's good at selling it. He's very, very good at selling it. The idea you're not making a minimum $15 an hour is, is just wrong, wrong. No one should have to work two jobs to be able to get out of poverty. You're busting your neck, and what you're doing is you're saving people's lives. Exactly. You're helping them, and you're risking your own in this moment of COVID. You know better than I do that what happens is, is a pre-existing condition. In fact, what's happening here is a lot of people who have cancer, who are taking various drugs, and stat they, in fact, are more susceptible to catching COVID and dying than anyone else. So first of all, thank you. Number two. The reason I'm running is because, look, the interesting thing for me is I, I view this, this I, I really do view this campaign as a campaign between Scranton and, and, and Park Avenue. And I really mean it because, you know, the way we were raised up here in this area, awful lot of hard work and people bust the neck. All they ask for is a shot, just a shot. All that Trump could see from Park Avenue is Wall Street. All he thinks about is the stock market and telling we're going to do all right. Everybody owns stock. How many of you all own stock in Scranton? In my neighborhood in Scranton, not a whole, hell, a whole lot of people own stock. No. And so we have to make sure that healthcare workers are paid and paid a decent wage. And 15 bucks an hour isn't enough 
for a healthcare worker. And so, again, I won't take the time now, but Joe, if you give me, if I can get your address, Definitely. let me get you. Go to JoeBiden.com and you'll see what I talk about needing to be done with regard to healthcare workers. And by the way, mental health, you know as well as I do, and the nurse who was just up here knew, knows, we're in desperate need. There are more people who are at risk and worried today than any time in modern times and especially the youngest generation. Uh, that, if you watch the whole town hall, I didn't watch the whole town hall, I watched enough to know, he essentially, none of it was policy oriented. All the policy was go to my website. And if you go to his website, it's not very specific either on policy. So it's, it's again, it's a lot of theatrics, vagueness, whatever. Couple things. Number one, um, hate to say it, no one should, $15 minimum wage, it's not enough for healthcare workers. And frankly, it's not that great for any worker that works a full-time job. When you look at inflation dating back two decades, the minimum wage should be closer to $23 to $25 an hour. So I respect that this guy's a healthcare worker. I respect that he's been uh, helping with coronavirus and cancer patients. Of course, nothing wrong with his question or anything like that. But Joe Biden is not offering anything specific to get that man to $15 an hour. Nothing. And frankly, you know, Joe Biden says, I'm going to be able to work with Republicans and Democrats. Well, the Republicans aren't going for $15 minimum wage. And there's a lot of Democrats that don't want uh, $15 minimum wage. You think Joe Biden's priority when, pre when he's president is going to be fighting for a $15 minimum wage? Yeah, show me the evidence of that. So that's number one. Number two, you know, ironically, it's probably somebody on Park Avenue or at one of these Madison Avenue and New York advertising agencies that wrote up that line, I view this election as Scranton versus Park Avenue. Trust me, that was not improvised. That was a line he was fed. Nothing wrong with that. Politicians are fed lines by consultants and others all the time. I gotta tell you something, and of course, you know, all the disclaimers, Trump's terrible, Trump is attached at the, wit, uh, attached at the hip to Wall Street, uh, the fact is, Trump, I mean, all, Trump has been basically fixated on stock, the stock market. He thinks the stock market means the economy is wonderful. Of course, if the stock market's roaring, it typically means the rest of us are Excuse my French swear jar. But what I find so interesting about this, and of course, I mean, it was pathetic. Anderson Cooper might as well have been drooling the whole time. There was not one, one follow-up. I mean... At least George Stephanopoulos, or as I like to say, Stephanopoulos, uh, challenged Trump on a few things. But when you, Joe Biden has the audacity to say, this is the election between Scranton and Park Avenue. As in, because he's from Scranton, he's somehow like scruffy and like, you know, he's a street fighter for the working class and he takes a shower after work, like one of those people that works with their hands. And you know, he's not like one of those bougie Park Avenue people. This is an election. Basically what he, that phrasing is, uh, you know, this is an election between the working man and woman, the proletariat and the oppressor, the Wall Street vultures. And I'm on the side of the working man, even though I recently told my donors, uh, corporate America has to change its ways. It's not gonna require legislation. I'm not proposing any. We've gotta think about how we deal people back in. I mean, it's too easy. It's, it's just too easy, folks. 
I mean, that's recently, he said, at a, uh, at a uh, fundraiser. Then you had this that came out uh, from the Washington Post recently. The Democratic nominee, Biden, and his aides are now compounding the confusion. While Biden publicly calls out Wall Street excesses and promises to rein them in, Biden staffers privately are reassuring industry leaders that he won't focus on the issue in office. The issue meaning Wall Street regulation and uh, reining in uh, the global banking industry. As one investment banker described Biden's calls to financiers, they basically said, listen, this is just an exercise to keep the Warren people happy. Don't read too much into it. Oh, but Jordan, stop it. Stop being critical. You're helping Trump. No, as I tell you, I can't turn it on and off. You can't just be a seasonal journalist. You can't say, well, we got to get rid of Trump, so let's just ignore that Biden's totally full of shit. No. And by the way, to be clear, uh, I hope not, but it's possible in the next few days we're going to hit the horrible milestone of 200,000 deaths uh, in America, I th- in coronavirus. I think that's... Um, I think that's underreported. I think it's much higher than that, frankly. Uh, so Biden might very well win. Even a, a corporate Republican pretending to be a working class hero, he might very well win. I mean, it is hard. If you were the president presiding over 200,000 deaths, it's pretty hard to win re-election. But as Michael Moore uh, is going to show you, because I'm going to show Michael Moore in a bit, Trump's not out of this. And I think... Part of the reason Trump's not out of this is Joe Biden is literally gaslighting America, aided by the corporate media. They have concocted this image of some scrappy, you know, lunch bucket union guy, uh, working man guy who, in reality, excuse my French, boys and girls, has been sucking the of Wall Street for the last 30 years. Anat doesn't like that. No! My fiance. He's been doing sexual favors for Wall Street for the last 40 years. I mean, that's the truth. That's the truth. You can't handle the truth. So it, it's just mind-boggling. And then that tweet goes around and it gets retweeted and it's all over the place. Oh, the resistance, wine moms love it. Scranton versus Park Avenue. Give, as Joe Biden, remember when Joe Biden said to millennials, give me a break. I have no empathy. Give me a break. Joe Biden has done more fundraisers in New York City, some on Park Avenue, by the way, than God knows any other candidate. Anat does like to rein me in sometimes. It's okay. I need to be reined in quite often. Uh, It is absurd. Absurd. What this man has gotten away with. That the media lets this stand with zero pushback about, he used to be called the um, senator from MBNA, the bank in Delaware, that he was writing legislation for. He was their biggest recipient of their money. He was uh, essentially, I mean, you think Obama not pushing uh, any Wall Street bankers to jail? Not that Biden decided that. You think, you think Joe Biden was fighting Obama to punish some Wall Street bankers that brought down the global economy? I think not. But again, this is all part of the problem with having a media system in this country that has been hijacked by corporations. There is no pushback. It's all theater. If Democratic Party operatives and Republican Party operatives 
consultants, uh, PR people, if they can concoct an image uh, that can sell, then the media is not going to do anything to pop that bu- pop that um, bubble. Not at all. They'll just elevate it. I mean, if Joe Biden wasn't running against Donald Trump, I think he'd be wiped out right now. Because, and frankly, if Bernie Sanders would have went for the jugular the many times he had the opportunity to, we might be having a, m- a much different conversation here. But he didn't. I want you to meet uh, Kristen Shemansky. She works for a family-owned chocolate manufacturing company uh, in Dunmore. She's a Democrat. Kristen, welcome. Good evening. My mother was diagnosed with multiple myeloma two years ago at the age of 66. The cost of her care has been astronomical. However, my family has been fortunate that both she and my father had long careers at good companies that afforded them the opportunity to save for retirement, which is helping to pay for her care. Mr. Vice President, what is your plan to make health care affordable so Americans don't need to drain their savings when care is necessary? First of all, in the middle of this pandemic, what's the president doing? He's in federal court, federal court, trying to do away with the Affordable Care Act. 100 million people with pre-existing conditions like your mom would not have to pay more for their insurance under now. But guess what happens if, if in fact, he wins? That's number one. Number two. What I would do is make sure that we reinstate the Affordable Care Act, number one, and add a public option to that Affordable Care Act so that nobody, nobody in the United States of America would go without being able to be covered for what they need. With regard to COVID, for example, you, I don't want to get too per- My son died of cancer. He came home from Iraq. And I have to tell you, it really, really offended me when he volunteered to go there for a year and he came home because of stage four glioblastoma. And the president referred to guys like my son. He won the Bronze Star, the Conspicuous Service Medal, referred to them as losers. Losers. Talk about losers. My point is this. The idea that healthcare is debated as whether or not it's a right or a privilege. It's an absolute right. And so we have to make sure, particularly in the moment of COVID, that any costs relating to COVID are in fact free. The federal government guarantees be taken care of. One of the reasons why people aren't going in and getting tested is they're afraid of the bill they're gonna receive. They're afraid of what's gonna happen. And with your mom, it's a different, multiple myeloma is, is a difficult, difficult disease to care for. And that's why one of the things I've done, and it, well, anyway, I'm going on too much about cancer. I apologize, but. Okay, so first of all, um, you know, to be clear, because I, I, you know, you're always put in this position. My criticisms here have nothing to do with him losing his son. I obviously feel terrible about that. We, you know, you don't have to like Joe Biden. We feel that he lost his son at a very young age. That goes without saying, as well as uh, his first wife and daughter. He definitely has suffered loss in his life, and that's nothing to uh, dismiss. With that said, if we had actual journalists in this country, there's a few. I really wish Joe, I really wish Bernie Sanders would have said this. I really, really wish Bernie Sanders would have turned to Joe Biden and said, Joe, let me ask you a question. 
Do you think freedom of speech is a right as a citizen of America? I, I, you know, Joe Biden would have to say, yes, of course. It's enshrined in the Constitution. Okay, just to be clear, Joe, my friend Joe, because Bernie liked to call him my friend, freedom of speech is a right, correct? Yes, Bernie. Uh, how much do you have to pay, copay-wise, for freedom of speech in America? I'm sorry, Bernie, what? what? What's the copay that you have to pay? What's the deductible for freedom of speech? Uh, I'm not following, Bernie. I'm not following, Bernie. Well, you say it's a right, so what does it cost? Because you're saying healthcare is a right, but you believe there should be financial transactions associated, just affordable transactions. So if you're saying speech is a right and that is free as a citizen, why is it that you're saying healthcare should be a right yet people have to pay for it. Something can't be a right if there is a barrier to receiving it. That is a contradiction, Joe. I don't know why Bernie never said it. I don't know why, a, I, don't, I, I have no idea why not one journalist will make this simple point. In one breath, he is telling that kind woman uh, it should be a right in this country. Yet. He's hemming and hawing. I'm glad he mentioned the public option again. It was conveniently absent from his DNC speech. He didn't mention the public option. But the truth is, the public option, if you uh, listen to Wendell Potter, who's a healthcare whistleblower and expert, if you research, public option is not gonna bring us to the promised land. It's still, it, there's still significant costs, even associated with a public option, that will make healthcare unreachable for Millions and millions of Americans. So the bottom line is, you gotta, you can't be both. Can't say healthcare is a right, yet you gotta pay for it. If you believe it's a right, then it should be free at the point of service. And like every other civilized country of this world, including other ones that dealt with the same virus as we are, Italy, uh, UK, uh, France, other, other countries, they pay a little bit more in taxes and they don't pay for healthcare when they go to the doctor. Some of them very minimal costs related to prescription drugs. But Joe Biden doesn't believe that healthcare is a right, because if you believe healthcare is a right, there's not some, it's not to be affordable, there's no cost associated. And this is a simple point, a simple point that he's never pushed back on. Secondly, and uh, Brianna, Brianna Joy Gray has made this point. Others have made this point. Why is it, just common sense wise, why is it, what, what is the thought process that coronavirus testing or coronavirus treatment should be free? Yet if you have stage four cancer, that shouldn't be free. If anybody could, and again, that would be a very nice question for a journalist to ask him, but that's not gonna happen. Why is it that he is saying, and he said it multiple times, of course, right now, he doesn't have the authority to make it free because he's not the president, in fairness. But why is it to Joe Biden and Democrats, coronavirus testing or treatment, that should be free, even though we've read horror stories of people leaving the hospital after weeks uh, of COVID treatment with million dollar bills, 
Why should coronavirus treatment be free, but if you got stage four cancer? I'll give you a perfect, I'll give you a perfect example here. There's a CNN reporter. Um, he's got a six, six month old daughter. Um, she, I, I apologize, I forgot the name, I forgot the whatever the rare disease she has. But she's got a, he's got a six month old daughter who is battling a very, very rare brain tumor. Uh, they are actually moving the CNN reporter from New York to Boston, I believe, to get treatment. And of course, you know, our, our thoughts are with him and his wife. That's terrible. Imagine, it should be the happiest time in your life. Six month old daughter, rare uh, brain, brain tumor. Under, Joe, under what Joe Biden has said, that is a CNN reporter. Let me tell you something. I worked at MSNBC, okay? The healthcare was pretty damn good. So I assume CNN has pretty decent healthcare too, okay? They have to resort to a GoFundMe. They have to resort to a GoFundMe, this CNN reporter, uh, to cover the insane costs associated with trying to save his six-month-old daughter's life. And this CNN reporter is very, I don't want to say very lucky, because obviously it's terrible what's going on with him, but he's very lucky because he's a CNN reporter. So he, when he posted this, other CNN reporters and anchors posted it. And before you know it, the GoFundMe has been up for seven hours. It's already got $100,000 raised. Uh, by the way, I'm not criticizing him at all. I'm glad they're raising that money. But the point is, most people are not CNN reporters. Most people, if the worst thing happens to them, if their daughter gets a rare brain tumor and it's going to cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars of treatment, even with health insurance, they, they can't just post a GoFundMe, have other people with millions of followers on Twitter share it, and before you know it, you're making hundreds of thousands of dollars in that GoFundMe. Are you getting my point? It's not to say I, I'm totally happy that they are getting the help they need, but the point is healthcare is not a right if our healthcare system is, uh, you know, GoFundMe. That is not, that's not restoring the soul of America. When he's talking about, uh, you know, it's, it's um, I'm going to add a public option and, and all these things. These are all incremental, neoliberal, um, complicated things to keep the financial, to keep the for-profit healthcare industry in place. Imagine this for a second. I was talking to my fiance the other day. What exactly is a deductible? What exactly is a deductible for health insurance? It's just a made-up cost to make healthcare money, healthcare companies money. It doesn't actually go to anything other than healthcare profit. It's not money we pay to cover the cost of healthcare companies' administrative costs or their salaries or nothing. It's literally profit. That's it. So I don't want to hear anymore. Oh, by the way, and, and credit, credit to Kyle Kalinske who found this. Uh, Joe Biden was singing a very, very different tune when he ran for president in 2007.
build the consensus in this country because the real problem is going to be taking on those insurance companies because they're going to be the ones you're going to have Harry and Louise remember those ads with Harry and Louise out there saying this is awful what the Democrats are proposing and so the second thing is you got to provide for I think everyone should essentially be able to be from age one on essentially have the same kind of coverage you have in Medicare it should be just universal across the board we could afford to do that so Kyle from Secular Talk found that, uh, so credit to him. Obviously something changed for Mr. Biden, uh, you know, in these years, because he said, just do Medicare, cover everyone for Medicare, from birth. We could afford it, as he was mildly kissing that old lady. <laughs> he bumped foreheads. It's, it's just unbelievable, because it's so obvious it's so obvious that they are defending a system for their donors. That's all he's doing. And Trump, of course, is doing the same thing. Trump's not gonna provide universal health care. Iceberg right ahead. And I've been saying this for a long time. I'm not a polling truther. I look at the polls now. I think if the election were held today, Biden's in a pretty decent position to win. I think a lot can change in a month and a half. But if the election were held today, I do think he's in a decent position to win. With that said, I am seeing and now hearing striking deja vu from 2016. Uh, I want to play to you just a short clip. Uh, Michael Moore was on The Hill today. would love him to come on status quo, I've asked, but, you know, just saying. Uh, Michael Moore was on The Hill, and he, rising more specifically, and he uh, had a stark, stark warning uh, about Joe Biden in Michigan. Let's take a look. Well, start right with a ground game. It's actually worse than Hillary. At least there was a ground game, even though she didn't show up. There were Hillary offices in many towns, campaign offices. There was door-to-door -door campaigns, but you couldn't get a yard sign. And I learned long after uh, the election, uh, when I was making my last movie in 2018, from one of her top campaign people, he told me, he said, that's correct. It was on purpose. We were afraid that if there were too many Hillary Yard signs, it would remind the Trump voters that, oh yeah, that's right, I've got to get out and vote against her. So they're afraid, they start with fear of the Trump voter. And that's what's going on now. I've had in the last two days, three different calls from Democratic Party people in rural areas in Michigan. They can't get yard signs. They can't get yards. They're calling me, you have any contacts? Can you get us yard signs? I said, I can't believe this is happening again. Now yard signs may seem like a simple thing to people, but it says a lot because you're driving up and down the roads in Michigan and you see Trump sign after Trump sign, Trump flags, Trump banners, people driving around their pickup trucks with Trump flags. It's everywhere. There's no Forget about, so forget about, okay, so there's no yard signs, but there's no Joe Biden. There's no, read this Time Magazine article. It was published, I think, two days ago. Charlotte Alter is the journalist, the author of this article. I think he just showed a screen grab uh -huh. of it, where, the, where they, she says, essentially, it's an invisible campaign because the Biden campaign headquarters has somehow decided to ghost Michigan. Now, uh, his campaign... Uh, manager says in the article, well, we're just doing it different this time. 
Well, we need to do, yes, we need to do it differently than 16, but we need to go in the other direction. We need more. We don't need less. Right. Well, this right. is the 21st century. We're doing Facebook ads. We're doing digital. And it's like, oh, my God. I, I, Joe Biden did come to Michigan last week. So he's already ahead of Hillary on that level. But he went to Michigan and visited uh, two towns and and did not visit black Michigan. He went to white Michigan. He went to conservative Democratic Macomb County. He went to Warren. And then he went to Ecorse, which is what we call downriver. Some of you might poo poo say like, who cares, Jordan? Like, who cares about signs? Well, I can tell you. Um, in 2016, I probably covered Michigan on the, in the, on the, in the field when I was at the Young Turks, the most. Uh, Michigan, I was at probably like 10 to 15 rallies of Trump's and, and Hillary and Bernie. Um, I covered Wisconsin quite a lot and Pennsylvania. I started thinking around August or September, there's a good chance Hillary Clinton's gonna lose because I see zero, zero um, presence for Hillary Clinton in any of these states. All I see is Trump signs on the highway, billboards, uh, Trump signs on people's lawns, and I saw very little of Hillary Clinton. Why does that matter? Because these things don't show up in polls. And remember, there in 2016 was a pretty, pretty um, sizable portion of the, the Trump vote that didn't answer polls for whatever reason. They called them the silent Trump vote. Maybe they were embarrassed, who knows? But enthusiasm is real <laughs> on the ground. To hear that Hillary Clinton's campaign like didn't distribute them because they didn't want to give Trump voters any extra nudge to come out. Apparently Biden's campaign has the same mentality because Michael Moore was saying people are asking where could I get the street signs and the campaign isn't providing them. I don't know what geniuses are running Joe Biden's campaign, but here's some free advice. The Trump voters don't need any nudge to come out. They are zealots. Trump has been laser focused and preaching exactly to his base and nobody else for the last four years. Uh, Biden signs or no Biden signs are not going to uh, you know, inspire Trump people to come out. They're already coming out. So if that's why Hillary's campaign didn't provide uh, lawn signs and highway signs and this and that, that's terrible strategy and decisions. But if Biden's campaign is doing the same thing, that is terrible strategy and decisions. You're not, it's not going to backfire on you and get more Trump people to come out. They're already coming out. And by not having the, the, the signs on people's lawns, the signs at City Hall, the signs on the highways, you know, signs on people's trucks, not having Biden, Harris everywhere, it actually has the opposite effect too. What about voters that haven't made up their mind yet? Hmm? Are on the fence or maybe aren't even sure they're gonna vote. If all they see all around them is Trump, 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 and they see no Biden, might they think, well, what's the point? The state's going to Trump. I mean, this is awful strategy. They should have Biden paraphernalia everywhere, 
everywhere in these states. The other thing that Michael Moore said that is, if, 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 I, if I'm someone who wants Joe Biden to win, should be very concerning, is they're continuing with this absurd, I mean, it, 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 uh, it's totally absurd. The bottom line is, Biden campaign, Biden's only been to Michigan once or twice. Uh, I under, you know, let's be clear, there is a pandemic, so we understand uh, he's not gonna travel as much. But Trump is continuing to travel. And Trump, remember in 2016, Trump, while Hillary Clinton was in the Hamptons in August doing fundraiser after fundraiser, Trump was going all over the country. He did way more rallies than Hillary Clinton did. So Trump right now is doing a pretty, uh, pretty significant number of rallies. And Biden is not. And where Biden is going, he's continuing this campaign strategy of reaching out to like, I don't even know what what they're thinking. Conservative Democrats, straight up Republicans, rather than going to Flint, rather than going to Detroit, uh, rather than going to Milwaukee, where Hillary Clinton had depressed turnout among black people in 2016. I've told you this over and over and over again. It was not Putin. She lost 5% of the black vote compared to Obama in 2012. She got 5% less than Obama did in 2012. 5% less Latinos than Obama did in 2012. 6% less, 18, age 18 to 29, than Obama did in 2012. That's why she lost. And by the way, it wasn't Jill Stein. Gary Johnson in Pennsylvania and other states got more votes than Jill Stein. So it's just, unless, and I will be happy to have egg on my face if I'm wrong, Unless Joe Biden's campaign has some incredible data that we don't have showing there is historical and data-driven evidence that you could convert enough Republicans over to vote for Joe Biden um, that let's just blow off the Latino vote. I mean, I just told you this the other day, but Latino groups are sounding the alarm. They're sounding the alarm on Joe Biden's I mean, pathetic outreach. They're, Joe Biden's campaign is literally now, in the middle of September, staffing up on Latino outreach. This is something you should have been doing three months ago, not a month and a half before the general election. Of course, because he's too busy playing footsie, trying to get Colin Powell and John Kasich and all these people to vote for him. It's insane. I don't know what they're thinking. And I know, I know there's people out there in the chat and elsewhere. Jordan, stop being negative, blah, blah, blah. I'm telling you, iceberg right ahead. I don't care what the polls say right now. Polls said Hillary was going to win too. And we have something that we did not have in 2016, and that's the mail-in ballot.